few chapters ago, we dealt with a judge named Abimelech, whose mother was a concubine, and Gideon was his father. In this chapter, we're going to deal with a man named Jephthah, whose mother was a prostitute. Now, just a word before I start. In Israel, a concubine actually had certain legal rights. It was very different than being a prostitute. And so she was um, uh, not full rights as a wife would have, but a concubine could have respect, could hold positions of authority, um, could be considered part of the family in a way. A prostitute was a prostitute was a prostitute. This was someone who um, uh, was available sexually for hire and not someone who was a permanent part of your household. So that's the difference between concubine and prostitute. Concubines were recognized as part of the family, and essentially. They um, uh, they didn't, didn't come and go. They had um, uh, one uh, lover, if you will. And so... Um, big difference between the two. Now, Judges chapter 11. Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a mighty warrior. His father was Gilead. His mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also bore him sons, and when they were grown up, they drove Jephthah away. You're not going to get any inheritance in our family, they said, because you're the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and settled in the land of Tob, where a gang of scoundrels gathered around him and followed him. Sometime later, when the Ammonites were fighting against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. They said, Come, be our commander so we can fight against the Ammonites. Jephthah said to them, Didn't you hate me and drive me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? The elders of Gilead said to him, Nevertheless, we are turning to you now. Come with us and fight the Ammonites, and you will be head over all of us who live in Gilead. Jephthah's answer was, Suppose you take me back to fight among the Ammonites, and the Lord gives them to me. Will I really be your head? The elders of Gilead replied, The Lord is our witness. We will certainly do as you say. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and commander over them. And he repeated all of his words before the Lord in Mizpah. Then Jephthah sent messengers to the Ammonite king with this question, What do you have against me that you have attacked my country? The king of the Ammonites answered Jephthah's messengers, When Israel came out of Egypt, they took away my land from the Arnon to the Jabbok, all the way to the Jordan. Now give it back peacefully. Jephthah sent back messengers to the Ammonite king, saying, This is what Jephthah says, Israel did not take the land of Moab or the land of the Ammonites. But when they came up out of Egypt, Israel went through the wilderness to the Red Sea and on to Kadesh. Then Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom, saying, Give us permission to go through your country. But the king of Edom would not listen. They sent also to the king of Moab, and he refused. So Israel stayed at Kadesh. Next, they traveled through the wilderness, skirted the lands of Edom and Moab, passed along the eastern side of the country of Moab, and camped on the other side of the Arnon. They did not enter the territory of Moab, for the Arnon was its border. Then Israel sent messengers to Sion, king of the Amorites, who ruled in Heshbon, and they said to him, Let us pass through your country to our own place. 
Sion, however, did not trust Israel to pass through his territory. He mustered all of his troops and encamped at Jahaz and fought with Israel. Then the Lord, the God of Israel, gave Sion and his whole army into Israel's hands, and they defeated them. Israel took over all of the land of the Amorites who lived in that country, capturing all of it from the Arnon to the Jabbok and from the desert to the Jordan. Now, since the Lord, the God of Israel, has driven the Amorites out before his people Israel, what right have you to take it over? Will you not take what your God Chemosh gives you? Likewise, whatever the Lord our God has given us, we will possess it. Are you any better than Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever quarrel with Israel or fight with them? For 300 years, Israel occupied Heshbon, Aror, the surrounding settlements, and all the towns along the Arnon. Why didn't you retake them during that time? I have not wronged you, but you are doing me wrong by waging war against me. Let the Lord, the judge, decide the dispute this day between the Israelites and the Ammonites. The king of Ammon, however, paid no attention to the message Jephthah sent him. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jephthah. He crossed Gilead and Manasseh and passed through Mizpah of Gilead. From there he advanced against the Ammonites, and Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. If you give the Ammonites into my hands, whatever comes out the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites, it will be the Lord's, and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Then Jephthah went over to fight against the Ammonites, and the Lord gave them into his hands. He devastated twenty towns, from Aror to the vicinity of Menith, and as far as Abel Karamim. Thus Israel subdued Ammon. When Jephthah returned to his home in Mizpah, who should come out to meet him but his daughter, dancing to the sound of timbrels? She was an only child. Except for her, he had neither son nor daughter. When he saw her, he tore his clothes and cried out, Oh no, my daughter, you have brought me down, and I am devastated. I have made a vow to the Lord that I cannot break. My father, she replied, you've given your word to the Lord. Do to me just as you promised. Now that the Lord has avenged you of all your enemies, the Ammonites. But grant me this one request, she said. Give me two months to roam the hills and weep with my friends, because I will never marry. You may go, he said, and he let her go for two months. She and her friends went into the hills and wept, because she would never marry. After the two months... She returned to her father, and he did to her as he had vowed. And she was a virgin. From this comes the Israelite tradition that each year the young women of Israel go out for four days to commemorate the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite. Now, a tragic end to this story, but I want to fill in some blanks from Jewish writings, extra-biblical Jewish writings. So first of all, this Jephthah, Uh, was the son of a prostitute. He was living in the father's house, even though the mother had moved on, and the the family rejected him, said, your mom's not a a wife of this family, and you need to leave. So he fled from his brothers, and uh, the Bible says he gathered a gang of scoundrels around him, and they followed him. Now, what is not made clear, apparently this guy had a reputation 
for being a, a mighty warrior. It starts out, Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty warrior. We don't know how he got that title, but this guy was known as a super soldier of sorts back in the day. And so he was chosen to lead Israel against the Ammonites who were fighting against them. They approached him. They said, come, be our commander so we can fight against the Ammonites. And so he was, he was dubious. You know, he was, he was basically like, will you really let me lead if I come and fight for you? And they said, no, no, we will. So he sends messengers back and forth with the Ammonite king trying to defuse the situation. And ultimately, the, the king wouldn't yield. So in verse 29, the spirit of the Lord came on Jephthah, as uh, often it has with these judges. This is the Holy Spirit. And so he went and fought against the Ammonites and was going to do battle with them and, and destroy them. But before the battle ensued, he made a very, very foolish vow. He said to the Lord, if you will give the Ammonites into my hands, whatever comes out the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's. And I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Now, friends, I don't know about you, but you only have to wonder. Here, this guy has no sons and no daughters, but one child, one girl. And he says, whatever comes out of my house to meet me. Well, that could only be like a pet or a person. So it's got to be an animate animal of some sorts, you know, to come out, either a human or a, I don't know whether they had cats and dogs or whether those were considered pets. But he says, comes out of my door of my house to meet me, I'll sacrifice it as a burnt offering. So I don't know what he was thinking, but he made this terrible vow and he attacks uh, the Ammonites. He defeats them. Everything's great. He comes home. And when he comes home, who should come out to meet him? But his daughter, his only little virgin daughter and his only child. So he's devastated. He uh, tears his clothes. He explains to his daughter what happened. The, The daughter says, keep your vow. You've given your word to the Lord. You know, do what you promised, only let me go and and uh, spend some time weeping and mourning with my friends. Now, from Jewish tradition and Jewish extra-biblical writing, we learned that the, the outworking of this was that Jephthah dedicated her to the Lord. He said, I will sacrifice it like a burnt offering. In other words, I will I'll give it. Burnt offerings were known to be wholly devoted to the Lord. And so the the Jewish understanding of this is that he did not do a human sacrifice with this virgin daughter, but that she was irrevocably turned over to the service of the Lord, kind of like a Catholic nun. She was never allowed to marry. She probably stayed by the tabernacle of Moses and operated as a handmaiden there. I'm sure she was a wonderful girl, but they don't believe that she was burned alive because Judaism is against human sacrifice. And so their understanding is she was dedicated to the Lord. But nevertheless, this Jephthah made a very foolish and unnecessary vow. And it cost him his daughter's future at the very least. Perhaps it cost him his daughter's life. We don't know for certain. But either way, he did not have to to make this vow, this promise. And so we need to take a lesson away from this. The Lord intended to bless Israel through Jephthah. He didn't have to make a vow. He didn't have to try to extort a certain result out of the Lord. The Lord had already decided to uh, use Jephthah, and the Holy Spirit came on him for that very purpose. He actually made this vow after the Spirit of the Lord came on him. So, Lord, we ask for forgiveness for any foolish promises we've made. I'm sure there's people listening that have broken one kind of promise or one kind of vow or another. 
Maybe they've broken trust. Lord, forgive us where we have made commitments and broken those commitments. Lord, you're a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness. We ask you, Lord, to bring those things to our minds now. And we ask that you would forgive us in Jesus' name for these trespasses. We recognize they were sins. And we're sorry, Lord, we made these vows, we made these promises, and didn't keep them or were unable to keep them. Lord, give us wisdom in what we promise in Jesus' name. Amen.